welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. Boy, the nine o'clock service, it just flowed out like a river. And I'm believing for the same thing. As a matter of fact, Father, we're asking that you would just strengthen us to do our part right now, whether it's me preaching or the people hearing and receiving and retaining. Help us to get everything heaven has for us right now. Those watching online, those in the auditorium, we know you've got words of preparation, words of encouragement, words of power for every one of us. And so, Father God, we ask you, bring forth utterance from heaven boldly as it ought to come forth. Help us all to be good hearers and doers of the word that you have for us today. And we thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would, please turn to Ephesians chapter 5. And we're going to continue what we talked about last Sunday. I believe the Lord said, get ready for 2021. As this year is beginning to expire, there's some things we can do to get ready to where 2021, we're better receivers, we're, we're better at doing the word, we're more equipped to fulfill what God's called us to do. And so I take it very serious, the, ex- the end of a year and also the beginning of a year, because it's so vital, it just sets the tone for everything that's coming up. And so I believe the Lord said one of the things we need to have in our lives, we need to make room for things that complement this being in our lives, it's some things we've talked about. We actually talk about this either every six months or every 12 months. I went back in the archives. We hit this quite frequently because it's something you have to stay fresh on. You have to be reminded of these things or you'll unconsciously drift away from this and not even know it. And so we need to talk about some things. And it's found right here in Ephesians 5. So I want to read from verse 15. And I want to read a few verses here. Uh, Roman, uh, excuse me, Ephesians 5, 15. Now, Paul, by the Spirit of God, tells all of us as believers, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, making the best use of your time, because the days are evil. Now, before I go any further right there, um, we need to realize that the days we're living in were prophesied they'd be dangerous. Not sure we can pray all danger out of our society. All right? I don't think the proper prayer is, Lord, please, no more storms. Little unrealistic. The prayer should be, Lord, help me be filled with the one who overcomes all storms. Because we're not, the Bible says in the last days, I'm quoting scripture, in the last days, perilous, difficult, dangerous times shall come. And then it lists a whole bunch of reasons why. It says in the last days, the days we're living in, this is going to promote danger. Men will be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boastful, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to authorities, right? Uh, Unnatural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, Terrorism, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded. There'll be people who love pleasure more than God. And the Bible talks about having a form of godliness, but denying the power from such turn away. He didn't say don't love them, but he said don't hang with them. How many know not hanging with somebody doesn't mean you don't love them? 
It might mean you're smart enough to not get contaminated with what they're involved with. So, and witnessing to them was one thing, but hanging with them, come on, that's a whole nother deal. But the Bible says there'll be dangerous times in the last days. And the, the, the prayer should not be, Lord, let there be no more danger. There's going to be danger. There's going to be storms. There's going to be fire. Our prayer should be, Lord, we hear what the prophets are saying. And to be forewarned is to be forearmed. And what you're going to hear today is going to help you to be forearmed, totally ready, no worries, no matter what happens in this crazy world, we're going to overcome. Because again, I want to say it again, the prayer is not, Lord, let there be no storms. The only way that prayer could be answered, oh God, let there be no more storms. I don't want to have to deal with the devil anymore. The only way God can answer that prayer is if you die and go to heaven. That's the only way you're going to have no more storms, no more challenges, and no more problems. Well, how many of you don't want to die and go to heaven right yet? Right. So there's got to be a better prayer. So instead of saying, Lord, let there be no storms, how about we say, Lord, help me to be filled with the one who overcomes all storms. And that's what we want to talk about again. We want to talk about not just having a spirit-filled experience. We want to talk about living a spirit-filled life. Practically, how do you do that? Instead of just pointing back three years, oh, I got filled with the Spirit spoken tongues a little bit since then, so I'm Spirit-filled. No, you're using that as like a cliche or a title. No, no. We've got to watch out about saying I'm a Spirit-filled Christian if that day we're not Spirit-filled. There's things we're supposed to have in our life. You know, things we're supposed to make room for because they won't fit in your already overbooked schedule. You have to, you have to make room for things. As a matter of fact, if you want to live a spirit-filled life, you need to analyze your mornings and make some decisions that complement you living a spirit-filled life more than just getting ready physically and running out the door because you're late. We need to talk about something the Lord has made available to us and something He's commanded all of us to walk in. And right here, I, want to, I wanted to show you that because it talks about redeeming the time because the days are evil. I wish I could tell you 2021, 2022, 2023, 2024, going to be honky-dory. Disneyland's going to open back up and everything's going to be great. Newsflash. Bible said it ain't going to be so great in the world. Are you listening to me? So is our, is our goal getting everything in the world the way it should be? No, because it's already prophesied and it ain't going to happen. I can quote scripture after scripture. In the last days, evil men and seducers were going to wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. The Bible says in the last days, Jesus said in the last days, iniquity and perversion is going to abound and the love of many is going to wax cold. The Spirit speaks expressly. 1 Timothy 4, that in the latter times, some shall depart from what you're doing right now, from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from meats, and all this weird practicing stuff. He said, in the last days, some will depart from the faith. Isn't that interesting? They were in the faith, but they're departing from the faith. So it's, it's going to get difficult. The Bible talks about things happening to our son. The Bible talks about men's hearts failing them for fear for things that are coming on the earth. The Bible talks about it, difficult, dangerous times. I believe the church will be out of here before the wrath hits, you know, because we're not appointed unto wrath. We do not have an appointment with wrath. And everything from Revelation 6 on talks about the wrath of God. 
And it's not so much him doing it, it's him just not protecting anymore. People want it. He's going to let them have it. Are you following, church? And so, redeeming the time because the days are evil is huge right now. Redeeming the time means using your time super wisely. Watching out about poles, even of good things that are keeping you from the best things. And then he says, Wherefore, don't be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So stop right there. Just because we know everything there is to know about our trade, or our craft, or our natural job, which is fine, no, you know, but boy, if you, in God's mind, we are not wise until we understand His will for our lives. We may be wise in a computer, we may be wise in software, we may be wise in this, this thing or whatever that we went in eight years of higher learning for. That's fine, that's great, use it for the Lord. But friend, the thing we primarily need to be wise in is what's the will of God for my life? Now we're entering into true eternal wisdom, not just I know something about something temporarily and poof, I'm gone. Amen. Yeah. So, so be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Now, he wouldn't tell you to understand the will of God for your life if he wasn't going to make available knowledge about the will of God for your life. You just got to dig, search, like for hid treasures. Be hungry. God will show you. Well, one of the most important things that is the will of God for our life. Anybody want to know? Yes. Next verse. <laughs> Understand what the will of the Lord is. Okay, Lord, what is it? Well, right here. Be, be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit of God. It's so interesting. He's telling us here, one translation says, don't get your stimulus from wine. Let the Spirit of God stimulate your life. You know, I don't even want to get into the debate. Is, it, is drinking wine right? Is drinking wine wrong? You, you, it's not even an issue to you if you've got the better. Amen. You, you following what I'm saying? I mean, the, the Holy Spirit can give you anything. A, a bottle of wine can give you anything. A hundred thousand times more. And it's not, it's people, well, I got scriptures that say it's okay to drink. I got scriptures that say wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging. They that are deceived thereby are not wise. We all have scriptures. That's, th th this doesn't even become an issue when you got the better. See, it's almost like we don't have to try to change people. Just get them filled with the Holy Ghost and they'll do all right. You know what I mean? Just get, get, you don't have to pull something out of their life. Put something better in their life. And we're not going to say, is it right or wrong? You got scripture, I got, we all got scripture. Right? But when it comes right down to, I, I, <laughs> I was in the world, I mean, it's like, you, you got your bottle of Annie Green Springs or Boone's Farm over here, and then you got your bottle of $800 wine from Italy over here, right? You got your cold duck, you got your whatever, you, you got it all right here. Well, if you got an $800 bottle of water from, uh, wine from Italy, and you got a little $2 bottle of wine of Annie Green Springs or whatever, Boone's Farm, what are you going to go for? Most people go, now I'm not using that as a reality uh, uh, lesson here, okay? That's just hypothetical what I just said there. If you want a dog to drop a bone, what do you do? You offer a mistake. Bone's not wrong. There's nothing wrong with the bone. There's just something better. Did you hear what I said? In some of these areas, it may not be anything wrong, but there's something so amazing. Oh my gosh! It's so far above all this earthly stuff. Being filled with the Spirit of God. I've been drunk with wine. I've been drunk on Bacardi. Not two weeks ago. Forty years ago. Okay, I, I, I've, I've tasted it. I know what it's like. And I've been filled with the Spirit 
No comparison. I've had a buzz from a joint. I've had a buzz from a syringe. I've had a buzz from some alcohol. And I've had a buzz from God. No comparison. Are you kidding me? We're talking about spirit, soul, and body filled with God. Not just your body and brain cells tingling. Absolutely amazing to be filled with the Spirit of God. These things become so trivial when you're filled with the Spirit. For or against, doesn't matter. Let's just get filled with the Spirit. And then just live our lives the way He influences us to live. A lot of people... Now this is interesting. Read, read, read here. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. But... So basically what He's saying here is you, you don't need this if you have the Holy Spirit. He's basically saying, don't be drunk with wine, be drunk with the Spirit. I, I can hear the Holy Ghost saying, you'll like it a lot better. Amen. <laughs> now, if you're drunk with the Holy Spirit, something's helping you overcome sin beyond yourself now. An influence from above is helping you do things you would never do in your own power. Amen. You're under the influence of someone much greater and now, you know, when somebody's drunk, they do things the night, the night before. They, they don't even remember what they did the night before. They wake up in the morning. What, what's that called? That's called being so influenced by alcohol mm -hmm. that something was controlling you more than you're controlling you. How would you like to be so full of God that it's not just you saying no to temptation anymore? It's you and the Spirit of God saying no to temptation. How would you like to be so filled with the Spirit? It's not just you trying to get a healing with all your confessions, and, which is good. And how, many, how would you like to be so filled with God? He's helping you get your healing. Huh? Come on, do, do you see what's going on here? He's telling born-again Christians in the church at Ephesus, be filled with the Spirit. Huh? Pastor, I have the Holy Spirit. I'm born again. So were they. Why say to born-again Christians, be filled with the Spirit, if they're already filled with the Spirit, because they're born again? Huh? Why would Paul, by the Holy Spirit of God, write to the church at Ephesus and say, Hey, born-again Christians on your way to heaven, be filled with the Spirit. If you're automatically filled with the Spirit because you're born again and on your way to heaven. Amen. And this is where the enemy has tripped up so many people and kept them. If the devil can't keep you from being born again, his next mode of operation is to keep you, after you're born again, from being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And you need to be aware of this one thing. Big mondo problem. You ready? Huge problem. Christians who are satisfied without this. How can we be satisfied without something the Lord said we should have? This is not written to preachers. This is written to all the saints at Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. This is written to every believer. Well, pastor needs to be filled with the Spirit because he's in front of people and he's got to get excited and he's got to go counsel, he's got to witness, he's got to go visit, you know, got to go visit people in the hospital. He needs to be filled. This isn't written to me. It's not written to me because I'm a pastor. It's written to me because I'm a believer. Amen. And I got this revelation not too long ago. The Lord said, Son, are you obeying this? That was a nude fire. I thought... You mean, I kind of thought it was optional, Lord. I thought it was kind of a suggestion if you just wanted to be on fire for God. I thought it was just, you know, for those that wanted to go to full-time ministry. He said, son, this is just as important as thou shalt not kill. Anybody taking that serious? Yeah. 
Anybody taking thou shalt not kill serious? Because if I don't hear you say yes, I'm having an altar call right now. <laughs> anybody, anybody taking serious? Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not covet. Anybody taking serious those things? Well, is this any less? Interesting. Think about this. Just slow down for a second and think about this. Kenneth E. Hagen was and is in heaven now, but when he was on the earth, modern day prophet. I don't think I ever heard him say he was a prophet, which was really unique because he didn't have to. The power in his life and the visions of the Lord that he had just spoke for themselves. Didn't even need a business card. Not saying it's wrong to say I'm a prophet, but I'm just saying he, I never heard him say that. But he operated in the prophet's ministry profoundly. Seven times Jesus himself appeared to Brother Hagen. Well, he appeared to people in the Bible. Why can't he appear to somebody in our time? And I, I, I check everything out that he says with scriptures. I, I, he always brings forth more scriptures than you have time to study. But I mean, it's just amazing. Well, in 1987, the Lord appeared to him one more time before he went to heaven a few, a few years after that, 10, 15 years after that or something like that. Um, maybe a little longer. The Lord appeared to him in 1987 in the middle of the night and took him above the Tulsa Convention Center. How did he do that? No airplane needed. Just took him above the Tulsa Convention Center and he, they saw through the ceiling in the future some upcoming meetings that Kenneth Hagin was going to have in the Tulsa Convention Center called Camp Meeting. And Jesus narrated about what was going on in the church. And they saw through the, 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 the roof there. They saw what was happening. And the Lord started sharing with Brother Hagin some things he needed to share with the church because some correction needed to take place in the church. People were getting into some things that were false. They were not the real thing. They were like imitations of the real thing in this area of worship and, and all this. And he started narrating. And so after three hours, he finds himself back in his bedroom. He wakes up. And a week or two later, he has the camp meeting. And sure enough, he taught on what the Lord told him to teach on and share it and wrote a book called Plans, Purposes, and Pursuits. In that book, he talks about this entire vision and what the Lord had to say to the church for certain areas of correction, things that need to be adjusted and things that need to be helped and lots of encouragement, powerful end time talk. And somebody asked him, said, Brother Hagin, when Jesus appeared to you in the middle of the night and had that uh, three-hour visitation, is there anything... In the book, you know, I mean, it has a book out. Is there anything he emphasized more than anything else? Brother Hagin said, yeah, there's something the Lord emphasized above everything else in that three-hour visitation. And they said, well, what was it? He said, quote, this is Jesus talking. He said, quote, it's my plan, Jesus said, under the new covenant, that every believer be filled with the Spirit. When he said that, I thought, well, I already got that down. And then we turned the page. And the Lord said, you don't have that down at all. Son, you have had a spirit-filled experience. You've had a few spirit-filled experiences in your Christian walk. But you are not maintaining a spirit-filled life. Jesus wants us maintaining a spirit-filled life. Can I tell you one reason he wants you filled with the Holy Spirit? I'm going to tell you how, the, how you get there, okay? Can I tell you, can I tell you one, one reason you need to be filled with the Spirit? Huh? Because if you're filled with something, you have no room for other things. 
Most Christians have problems in their soul, in their mind, in their emotions, in their bodies, in their marriages, in their finances. Most Christians have problems in their life because they have room for those problems. What if you were filled with the Spirit like this verse is saying? What if you were filled with the Holy Ghost? Well, there's no room for disease. There's no room for fear. There's no room for bondage. See, I got to realize that, wait, Lord, what are you saying? I am filled with the Spirit. He says, son, you're not maintaining a Spirit-filled life. If you want to get somewhere with the Lord, you're going to have to say, Lord, I, 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 I was wrong once in a while. And if you have a hard time saying I was wrong, I pray you soften up and humble yourself because you aren't going anywhere with God. Matter of fact, the Bible says God resists the proud. How many of you want the Lord resisting you when you need his help? No, we don't. Humble, humility is a huge key to receiving help from the Lord. And being humble is a, a largely admitting truth at times when it hurts. Well, I figured if the greatest emphasis to the prophet of God of our time is I would that all believers under the new covenant be filled with the Spirit, I want to know more about that. I want to know how it happens. I want to know how to get there. And I want to know how to stay there. How do I maintain a spirit-filled life? Anybody interested? Yes. Be not drunk with wine where it is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's called free through the law of displacement. Right? You can pour so much water in a glass of milk that before too long, they ain't no more milk in there at all, and the milk didn't even have to try to get out. It was just pushed out. We got people working on all these problems in their life trying to get this out, trying to get that out, trying to get this out. But friend, here's the revelation. Even if you do get it out, you're still empty. And it can come back. Is the answer getting this problem out of my life, or is the answer getting something more in my life to where that thing has no more room in my life and can't even come back in my life? Come on, I mean, the Bible talks about, you know, being empty and clean and garnished, and the devil's still coming back with seven times more problems. So I like to put it this way, being clean is not enough. We're clean for a reason. We're clean to be filled with his presence. And if we're clean and empty, and, and, and these things are looking around someplace to, you know, disease and fear and sickness and anxiety and all this stuff and the powers of darkness. If they see an empty thing, they're going to go, they're not going to care if they're clean or they're, they're empty. I'm going to get some influence in there. Um, I was pondering this just last night or early this morning. I can't remember which it was. Um, about people that have turned to alternative lifestyles. Christians that have openly come out and said, I'm a homosexual, leave me alone. Okay, I, I believe it's what I was born to be. And um, I wrote this down because it's so easy to go, gosh, what are you guys doing, man? Did you know that's sodomy? Or we can help them. We can help them. I don't know how the word gay ever came on the scene. It's always been sodomy, <laughs> you know, effeminate. Um, but here is something the Lord told me. This is a little correction for the church because we, we don't need to tell them to stop what they're doing if we're not going to give them the power to stop it. Amen. They've already obviously tried. 
Amen? Not one homosexual has always felt good about what they're doing. There was a time in their life they had checks about it. But because of lack of power to overcome it, what are you going to do? Probably accept it and, ask and make others accept it as well. Well, the Lord said many have turned to alternative lifestyles because the church has not preached on being filled with the Spirit and maintaining a Spirit-filled life. Because, friend, that right there changes everything. So do we really need to scold people? Do we, need to, we just need to tell people to stop? Or do we need to give them something better and more powerful than what they previously have been living in? What, what do they need? See, I don't think most people are in, are in you know, chains of addictions and sins today because they're bad. I think they're in those places because they're empty. Amen. They are empty. They're not filled with the one who could overcome it all and influence their lives in such a degree where they just overcome all of it by being so drunk in the spirit they just stumble into victory. And it's more God than them by for sure. And that's why we go praise the Lord. It wasn't me. It was God's great gift that I chose to receive and maintain the glow all my life. So Paul said, don't be drunk with wine, wearing as excess, but be filled with the Spirit. These people that he's writing to were born-again Christians and they had had a Spirit-filled experience. If you read Acts chapter 19, years before the book of Ephesians was, or the letter to Ephesus was written and given, it says, Paul came to certain coasts at Ephesus, Ephesians, found certain disciples. And this is the most amazing question. I, I pray that you share this. I pray that people that need to hear this, hear this. Question, Paul asked it to them. I'm asking it to you. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Amen. You can be a believer. You can be a child of God and not be filled with the Spirit. Jesus was until 30 years old. Come on, was Jesus not a child of God? 18? He was a child of God from, from birth to 30 years old. But he wasn't full of the Holy Ghost until 30 years old. When John baptized him in the River Jordan, the Holy Ghost came upon him. And it said, Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led in by the Spirit into the wilderness. You can be a legitimate child of God and not be full of the Holy Ghost. Jesus was until 30 years old. But after that, he was constantly filled with the Holy Ghost daily, hourly, minutely. Is that a word, minutely? It's short for minute by minute, okay? The Holy Ghost just invented a new word to help us all out. <laughs> Come on. He said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? I'm a believer. I got the Holy Ghost. You do in a measure. You are going to heaven when you die. Right? But that doesn't mean you're filled with the Spirit. Jesus had the Spirit without measure, implying you can have the Holy Spirit in a measure. You can have Him in the measure of, I'm going to heaven when I die, and live in defeat until you get there. You know, no powerful ministry till you get there. No high calling until you, you know, get to heaven. Or you can be born again, born of the Spirit, and fill with the Spirit, and not just have a ticket to heaven, praise God for that, but also live in power till you get to heaven. Hmm? Church, are you hearing this? 
The Lord wants, he's, he's, not just, he's not just saying, oh, get born again, fight devils, get beat up, get five black eyes, three broken legs, and almost die young, and I'll see you in heaven. He's saying, I want you to come into heaven, but I also want you living in power till you get there. I care about your body. I care about your spirit. I care about your house, your family, your dog, your cat, your birdie, right? I care about all these areas of your life. And being spirit-filled will help in all these areas. Right? How many know somebody spirit-filled is not going to kick their dog? How many of you know somebody filled with the Spirit is going to vote right? So do we need to try to convince this party to be like us? Or do we need to get people filled with the Spirit so they just do right because they're filled with the Spirit? I mean, the best thing we can do for upcoming elections is be filled with the Spirit. <laughs> you say, well, I, I, you say, well, I'm not sure I trust the election, election system anymore. I don't think I do either. I think it's majorly flawed. But being filled with the Holy Ghost will still see us through the total victory, even if it was a fraud, even if lies did prevail, even if darkness did reign, because we still got the one who can overcome it all. Yeah. It don't matter what happens in this earth realm. The Holy Spirit's greater than all. Amen. The Holy Spirit is the creator. He's got a force shield like Star Trek never had. He's got protection. He's got victory. He's got power. Come on, let's go back to the question. Is the, the prayer of our heart, God, help it to get calmer? Please, God, decrease some of the storms. Or is the prayer, God, help me understand what it means to be filled with the Spirit who already has the power to overcome all these storms. Praying that there's no storms, no problems, especially in the last days, is an unrealistic prayer. So, turn to 2 Corinthians 3. We're not quite done yet. Hang in there. We're talking about living and maintaining a spirit-filled life and not just doing it as a luxury, doing it as a necessity. More and more I'm realizing why the Lord's having me preach this. There's some things coming on our earth. There's some things happening in our future. Don't get me wrong. I'm believing for good things. I'm believing for a bubble here in the Grand Valley. I'm believing for America not to fall apart. I'm, I'm believing for good things. But here's the really, really good news. Even if it does, and we're filled with the Spirit, number one, you can't be filled with the Spirit and worried at the same time. There's a little indicator right there to see if, what you're filled with, you know. Um, Number two, I mean, if all this stuff does happen, we've got the greater one. We've got wisdom. And, and we've got discernment. We're led by Him more accurately when we're filled with the Spirit. There's great freedom to, for being, that comes from being filled with the Spirit. A lot of people have not tapped into this. And they're still praying to God for help. And God's pointing to that church that preaches on being filled with the Spirit and speaking in tongues. And they're resisting that and saying, I'm not going to no church speaking in tongues. That, that wasn't from God. That's just my thoughts. I'm not going to go to no church that believes in being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. I'm not going to go there. That's for weirdos. But at the same time, they go, but God, help me. And God said, there's only one helper in the earth realm. He is the Holy Spirit. And if you're not interested in him, you're not interested in getting help from me. Because that's who I work through. I sent the helper to help you in the earth realm. And if you're not interested in a church that preaches being filled with the Spirit, and you're not interested in a church that speaks and believes in speaking in tongues, then you're not interested in getting help from me, saith the Lord. Amen. There's not two helpers, there's one. And if we are not interested in Him, we forsake our own mercy. That is not God not wanting to help. I just not receiving help from God. Every time I pray, I don't get anything. Are you doing what He said in prayer? 
Are you doing what he told you when you were praying? Answers to prayer is not magic. Most answers to prayer is we hear from God, do what he says, and we see results. 2 Corinthians 3, beloved. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And I want you to notice a scripture here near the end of the chapter. Verse 15. Even unto this day, when the Old Testament is read, the mask, I mean the veil is upon their heart. That was a joke. Nevertheless, <laughs> when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that Spirit. Now listen closely. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Wait a minute. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, there's freedom. What does that mean? That means more Spirit, more freedom. Come on. If you have the Holy Spirit in a measure, you have a measure of freedom. What if you have the Spirit of God overflowing from your life? You are full of freedom. Oh, come on. Do you see this? This is one of the reasons there's so much opposition to you being filled with the Spirit and speaking in tongues and hearing people mock speaking in tongues. Even believers. The only reason they're not judged is because they're such baby Christians. God doesn't judge babies like He judges people who know better. Friend, being filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues, is a major, major step to total freedom in your life and helping other people get freedom in their life. Amen. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's what? Freedom. freedom. How many, if you want more freedom in your life, what should you be hungry for? More of the Spirit in your life. A greater filling of the Holy Spirit in your life. I know this that a lot of sins, we'll, we'll talk about that in just a minute. Let me, let me read you something here. Um, in the area of overcoming temptation, and I hope we get to the scripture before we're done. Um, in the area of overcoming temptation, being filled with the Spirit is a vital asset if you want to overcome all temptation. Um, one of the things about being filled with the Holy Spirit is your wants for sin decrease and your wants for holy living increase. And my friend, if you got the want part down, you are 90% to victory. Are you following me? The number one reason Christians still sin is this little thing called they want to. <laughs> when it gets right down to it, they're, they're choose, they, they want to go with the flesh more than the spirit at that time. Then they feel bad for it and they repent and they try again, try again, and try again. What if you had power over your own will? What if your will is going, I want this. And your flesh is going, you got that right. I want that. Your flesh is going, mm-hmm. You want that. It's right. You want this. You are right. What if, what, if, and what if this thing rises up? Will, stop it. Amen. Power over your own will. Yes. Will, knock it off. Nick. <coughs> go this way. That's right. It's not hard to do that when you're filled with the Spirit and it's not hard to do that if you just quit doubting that God's way is the best way. Amen. More sins of doubt are there's people doubting left and right and they're not even recognized as something they need to repent from. Mm -hmm. 
Are you following me? Yes. The devil will come to How in the world did we ever fall for the lie that something the devil is offering is more fun than something God said we should be involved with? God made the devil. God made Lucifer. He turned into the devil of his own choice, but God made this angel. Are we saying the creating the creation has something better than the creator? It's ridiculous. The Lord really helped us with that in the early service. I don't know if I'm going to get in that flow right now, but there's some things the Lord talked to us about that in the early service that are absolutely, to me, I've never heard myself say anything like it before. It's really, really good. I, I do believe we can put that archive up on the internet as well, the 9 o'clock service, but there's something about, we're not going to fall for the devil's lies when we realize the Creator, <laughs> this isn't something that was done... Uh, God created. If you like the island that you're tempted to go to when you should be doing something else for the Lord, if you like the island and you go to the island instead, uh, newsflash, God created the island. He can create a thousand more for you. Throughout all eternity give you islands. Why would you leave the will of God for something he created? Amen. You think you'd want to stay with the creator and have an endless supply. Amen. Right? But... It's so interesting. So I wrote it like this, and I just said it to you basically in the same words. Being filled with the Holy Spirit takes care of 90% of all temptation problems. Because being filled with the Holy Spirit decreases the want for sin and increases the want for holiness. And if you got the want down, you're just about there. 90% at least. So turn to another scripture in James 4. James chapter 4. I want to talk to you before we're done about practical ways to maintain a spirit-filled life. It's not, ooh, it's not, uh, <laughs> there's practical things we can adjust in our lifestyle and maintain a spirit-filled life. And somebody says, well, pastor, pastor, being filled with the Holy Spirit, that sounds weird. Friend, it's weird not to be filled with the Spirit. Are you kidding me? Uh, fill with God or not fill with God. What do you think would be weird? Are you kidding me? Not filled with God is weird. If you can be, and we can be. Yeah. Right? Just like, just like speaking in tongues. When my mom came home from the Catholic Charismatic Prayer Meeting on a Wednesday night at St. Joseph's here in town many years ago, she came home speaking in tongues, telling us about her experience. And I'm going, cool, Mom. And I'm thinking, that is strange and that is weird. I believe in God and I believe in Jesus, but that tongue stuff, that's weird. I didn't tell her that, but I thought, that's weird. Tongues, dang, dang, tongues, tongues, nah. <laughs> just, I didn't get it. And then I got saved, you know, years later. And I started reading the Bible. And I started realizing, hmm, I thought it was weird to speak in tongues. But the more I read, it's weird not to. Are you kidding me? Speaking to God on the hotline? Hotline? Praying about things I have no Amen. mental understanding how to pray for, but I can do it anyway. Building myself up in the Holy Ghost, getting strong for future attacks. Praying in the Spirit, unraveling the devil's plans before they even manifest. Are you kidding me? It's weird not to be involved with that. That's just a few benefits of speaking in tongues. I mean, speaking in tongues is for the end time church. It is something we need every day of our life. 
I submit unto you, when you're filled with the Spirit and you speak in tongues every day, you are praying out your future. You are stopping plans of the devil from attacking your children. And you didn't even know you're praying for it because you're just praying in the Spirit beyond your mental understanding. You just know something good's happening when I'm praying in tongues. You're stopping things before they could ever start. You're messing up the devil's plans. You're putting protection around things in your future. You're praying in the Spirit, building yourself up so when that next test comes your way, you get through it and not break down. You go further than the breaking point. You overcome. No wonder there's an attack against speaking in tongues. The devil hates it. One of the things he hates about us speaking in tongues is he doesn't understand what we're saying and he can't mess up our prayers. Praise God. You know, the Bible says, He that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men but unto God. It's called prayer. No man understands him, howbeit in the Spirit he speaks divine secrets with God, prays out things that were a mystery to him. One, one scripture says, two verses later in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 4 says, He that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. Whoo! Let me just say this. Connect that with Proverbs. He that speaks in an unknown tongue builds himself up. Connect that with this scripture. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. How many of you want, want to faint in the day of adversity? Well, then your strength better not be small. How do, you, how do you get stronger? He that speaks in an unknown tongue builds himself up, strengthens his insides. You know, a lot of people aren't bad. They're just weak and empty. It's just weak and empty. And that's fixable. Amen. I, I used to not like that scripture, brother. I, I, I thought, because I've been doing a lot of fainting in the day of adversity. I mean, God says, son, if you faint in the day of adversity, you're weak. I didn't like that. Ouch. Nobody likes to say, you're weak. Well, that'd be a drag if there was no way to get strong. Amen. Right? Is there a way to build yourself up for future attacks and problems and things that come against you, your family, your marriage? Is there a way to get strong? Absolutely. Yeah, and when it comes, is not the time to get ready. When the storm comes, is not the time to start praying in tongues. You need to have some strength in the bank. Amen. Come on, we don't just run to God, read our Bibles, pray in tongues when things are bad. Right? We hang with God, speak in tongues, and are in the Word all the time because we're maintaining a Spirit-filled life. Yes. And we're ready. I said we're ready. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Glory to God! Amen. Before we read this, just listen to this. Jesus said there was two men in, in, a, in a storm that came to both of them. Same storm. Winds beat vehemently against their life. Raging problems, demonic attacks, warfare, all kinds of stuff. And it said one man, when it was all said and done, was still standing like a rock. Maybe hair messed up a little, but smiling. Other man, same storm, hit him when all was said and done, disintegrated. House flat, dust everywhere, life 
toppled over. Total destruction. And somebody goes, man, that storm really got that guy. Don't blame the storm. It didn't get the other guy. What was the real problem? Same storm came to both men. One fell and crashed, and Jesus said, great was the fall of it. The other man stood strong, and the storm just messed up his hair a little. Now, all that we could see on the outside was exactly the same. Both of those men went to church. Both of those men heard the word. Both of those men said amen. Both of those men said praise the Lord. Both of those men, week after week after week after week, went to church and heard the word. One of them did something after church was over. One of them actually practiced, changed their life, made room for what God was telling them in church. And he, Jesus said, he that hears my words and does them not is like a man who built his house on the sand. Storm came and he was wiped out. But, he, but the other man is he that hears my word and does it. Same storm comes, he stood strong. What I'm telling you right, this one verse, doing this one verse is for us concerning future storms that are on the way. If we will do this one verse right here, we will be the man that stands strong. But this one verse is going to mess up your entire life because not one person in this room right now probably has room for living a spirit-filled life. You're going to have to delete some stuff. You're going to have to change some stuff. You're going to have to adjust your schedule, your lifestyle, and get in the zone. Everybody say zone. That, con that contributes to you living a spirit-filled life. There is a natural zone, and there is a spiritual zone. And if you get in the spiritual zone, you'll still take care of natural business, but that other stuff won't be first. The things of God will be first. Let me say this to you. All right, this is, this is a heavy revy, but you need to get this. Many Christians right now are in bondage to addictions and fears and sicknesses and diseases and problems. And this is not the only reason, but many Christians, this is a problem in their life. I've been there. I, I, I'm not even saying I'm 100% perfect in this area yet, but I'm telling you, I'm learning as I'm growing, as I'm teaching right now. Listen, a big reason, I'm not going to say the only, but a big reason people are in bondage right now, especially Christians, is because God and His things are a part of their life. I said exactly what I mean, and I mean exactly what I said. The reason many Christians are in bondage to all kinds of things, attacks of the devil, powers of darkness, temptations, fears, all these, the reason so many Christians are in bondage today is because God is a part of their lives. If God is a part of your life, it's easy to bump him when it gets inconvenient. It's easy to bump time and doing things he wants you to do in his church or other places when you just don't have time. If God's a part of your life, it's easy to push that part aside. No, no. If you want victory, God cannot be a part of your life. You need to be in the zone of fellowship with him. He needs to be your life. Nothing in our lives. We, we purposed this from the day we got married. Carl and I, we decided, you know what? Okay, 
God is not a part of our life. His things, his church, his body, my part in the body, it is not a part of our life. It is our life. And our marriage, our anniversary, our birthdays, our kids' soccer games, they're a part of our life. They are not our life. God is our life. And that is one of the main reasons our kids turned out the way they did is because God graced us to see this a long time ago that if we want our kids to turn out great, God better not be a part of our lives. He better be our life. Church better not be a part of our life. His body and his things better be our life. And everything else turned out amazing because of that. Amen. We're not super special. I probably made more mistakes than most of you in here. But one thing we've endeavored to do is if we did fall, we'd bounce right back into God. You're not a part of our life. You are our life. Amen. And that means your church is our life because your church is your body. My part in the church is if it, things that are a part of your life are easier to set aside. And if God's just a part of your life, it's easy to set him aside and go with your life, which is your kids. Your marriage, your birthday, your anniversary. Do you know that there's some people, and this is not a cut, this is just observation. Hopefully it unsticks some people. There are some people who would never even consider pausing their anniversary for a special church service with Keith Moore wouldn't even come to their mind. See, I'm talking about getting into a zone, not just trying harder, being more filled. Well, let's just try harder to put God first. Just be filled with the Spirit and you'll want to put God first. But you're going to have to... So here's an interesting thought. And I'll tell you this. We've had some amazing, fun times as a married couple, as a family, and trips and vacations and Disneyland and all this. But we never looked at that as our life. That was a part of our life. We already had our life. Boom, in God. For me to live is Christ. To die is gain. But um, being filled. Okay, let's, let's just go to James 4. Go to the last verse of James chapter 4. I um, you always think you're putting God first until something comes up that you don't want to do that he wants you to do. <laughs> You've already made plans. I don't know how many times we put birthdays on hold or anniversaries on hold or kids' soccer games on hold and went to church instead. But you know what? I'm living for, I'll tell you right now, I regret not one second of putting something we had planned on hold for the things that God was calling us to. Putting God first is interesting stuff. <laughs> it puts you in a crazy zone compared to people looking from the outside. People thought we were crazy how much we went to church, even before I was pastor. People thought we were crazy for reading our Bibles as much as we did. They thought we were crazy. Well, friend, it was crazy not to do those things because doing those things has preserved us and kept us and helped us and lifted us and healed us and delivered us and restored us. You think it's crazy only because you don't know about it. So look at James. So what are we talking about here? We're talking about doing something the Lord told us to do, right? What does it say up here on the screen? To him that knows to do good and doeth it not, to him it's sin. 
So what are we talking about today? We're talking about doing something good that the Lord told us to do. Right? And, and please, the, the Lord wants you feeling zero guilt. He wants you feeling zero condemnation. He's trying to help you. What we just read, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. What if you're filled with the Spirit of the Lord? You're filled with freedom. And it's a lot easier to minister freedom to others when it's just overflowing out of you. We think, oh, God's going to fill me with freedom. Yeah, for you, but also for people around you. So, I looked at this scripture, and I realized this is talking about a sin of omission. Omitting doing good when you know to do good is a sin. There is a sin of commission where you commit an evil act that you shouldn't have done. And God will forgive you if you ask Him. He'll forgive you and cleanse you and treat you like it never happened. There is a sin of commission where you commit an act of evil and you need to acknowledge, I just sinned. And the Lord will forgive you if you acknowledge it. Cleanse you completely. But this is talking about a sin of omission where we're not doing something good that we know to do. They both need repented of. I'm going to submit to you something I've been pondering for years. And you're going to get the benefit of all these years of pondering this right now in a few seconds. I am totally convinced that this one sin here is the reason for a million and one other sins of commission. And when people repent for lust, and people say, God, forgive me for you know, losing my temper and hitting that person or cussing that person. God, forgive me for you know, uh, gluttony. Forgive me for being mean. Forgive me for getting drunk. Forgive me for fleshing out. Forgive me for porn. Forgive me for all this stuff. You're really not getting the root sin. Because if you were filled with the Spirit, you wouldn't even want that junk. Part of you may still have a little craving for it, but your spirit would be so strong, the Spirit of God in you would help you to say no a lot easier than if you're trying to overcome all this stuff on your own. I submit unto you, sins of commission are preceded by a sin of omission right here. Because if you're filled with the Spirit, you're not going to want to do those things. You're not going to want to commit those acts of sin if you're filled with the Spirit. Sins of omission lead to sins of commission. When's the last time you said after you lusted out or after you slapped somebody or after you cussed somebody or after you got drunk? When's the last time you said, Father God, forgive me for not being filled with the Spirit that led up to this stuff? How many think it's good to get the root problem? Hmm? Everybody think it's good to get the root problem? Because... If we just repent for the visible thing, but there's still a lifestyle leading up to that visible problem, guess what's going to happen three weeks later after all the tears are dried and you've repented and temptation comes back? What's going to happen now? Well, you're probably going to sin again and do something you shouldn't do because you haven't been doing something you should have done. It's hard to live a spirit. It's hard to live a victorious life if you're not filled with the spirit. So one more scripture, if you don't mind. Can we just go to one more scripture? 
Did I say 12 o'clock? One more scripture in Luke 4. Can I encourage you guys? Make room for the things I'm going to share with you in closing. Don't, don't just try to fit these things in your already overbooked schedule. You're going to have to analyze all your involvement. Start deleting some stuff that are not as important as being filled with the Spirit and maintaining a Spirit-filled life. Being filled with the Spirit starts with saying, Jesus, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Believe you receive. Speak in other tongues from your heart. That's, that's Jesus baptizing you in the Holy Spirit. That's the initial feeling that's having a Spirit-filled experience, and it's wonderful. It's where it starts. But it's not supposed to stop with an experience. It's supposed to be a part of your daily life. Maintaining a Spirit-filled life. Staying in the zone where God's things are always an exciting thing to you. They're important to you. So read this scripture and I'll tell you how to maintain a spirit-filled life and we'll close. Luke chapter 4 and verse 1. This is right after Jesus was baptized of John in the river Jordan. And John saw the Holy Spirit descending upon Jesus like a dove. Do you have that, guys? Luke 4, 1. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, after he was baptized of John in the river Jordan, Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Um, anybody want to know how to never fall into temptation? <laughs> Do you want to know how to never give in to temptation? Anybody want to know how to never give in to temptation? Anybody want to know? Next time temptation comes, to be afraid, to be this, to be that, to sin, to whatever. Anybody want to know how to never fall for temptation? Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost. Got that? Was led of the Spirit into the wilderness, and the devil was waiting for him in the wilderness to tempt him. Go, let's just read those few verses, and I'll tell you. Next verse. So Jesus, 40 days tempted of the devil, and in those days he did eat nothing, and when he, they were ended, he afterward hungered. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to be made bread. So the devil came to him with doubt, right? If, if, you're, if you're the Son of God, doubt. He's trying to tempt him to doubt. We talked about that. Jesus answered and said, It is written, quoting Scripture. Well, you can't quote Scripture if you don't know Scripture. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Bang, hit the devil right in the, between the eyes. The devil, taking him up to a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Anything in this world that Jesus wanted, the devil said, It's yours. The devil said unto him, All this power I'll give you and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me. Adam delivered this unto Satan when Adam sinned. And to whomsoever I will, the devil said, I give it. And Jesus, and he said, If therefore you will worship me, Jesus, all shall be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he brought him, the devil brought Jesus to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you're the Son of God, again, doubt, uh, cast yourself down from here. Uh, Jesus, for it is not written, now the devil's quoting scripture. He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Next verse. And Jesus answering said to him, It is said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Keep going. And when the devil had ended all temptation, he departed from him for a season. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out a fame of him throughout all the region round about. 
Don't forget the first verse. Yes, Jesus quoted scripture. Yes, he said it is written. But don't forget the first verse telling you how he was living his life. We can't just live our life, be filled with whatever we want to be filled with, and say it is written when temptation comes, and expect glorious results. That's not what the whole scripture said. It said, numero uno, Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, entered into temptation, quoted scripture, and totally overcame. So let me tell you guys, a couple things you can do to be filled with the Spirit. This will help you locate Jesus said, whatever is really big in here is going to want to come out of here. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's really big inside you, you're going to want to talk about the most. Let me ask you a question. How does one get to the place where all they want to talk about is sports? How does one get to the place where all they want to talk about is the latest, greatest movies? How does one get to the place where all they want to talk about is video games? Because if all we want to talk about is video games, movies, or sports, that's what we're filled with at that time. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whatever's in here the most is what you're going to want to talk about the most. Well, the same principle applies to being filled with the Spirit. How do you get to the place where all you want to talk about is sports? You're hearing and listening and hanging around with sports more than anything. And here's where a woe comes in from the Lord. W-O-E. Not good. He said, woe unto you that are full. Oh, wait a minute, Pastor. We're talking about wonderful it is to be full. It's wonderful to be full of the Holy Spirit. It ain't wonderful to be full of this world's junk food where you're not even hungry for the infilling of the Spirit. That's a woe. Remember? Big problem, people are satisfied without being filled with the Spirit because they're filled up on something else that's ripping them off of the greater experience God has for them. Hearing, seeing, hanging around people of God, things of God, this is how you will enter into a Spirit-filled life. Actually, I believe a sermon a day will help you greatly in this area. And I'm not just talking about a religious duty sermon a day. What really... What really turns that gear on the inside of you? What really helps you and feeds you? Listen to that preacher. Listen to that teacher. Listen to that sermon over and over again. Listen to a sermon. Peter was preaching just like I'm preaching one day in Cornelius' house. A bunch of people came over. All his family, they were hungry. They wanted to hear the word of God. They wanted to know the truth. And Peter's going... Oh, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. What about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, their salvation in no other name, remission of sins through the name of Jesus. And the Bible says, while Peter was preaching, the Holy Ghost fell on them that heard the word. And they got filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke with other tongues and magnified God. 
Hearing the word with a hungry heart will lead you into a spirit-filled life. And I say a sermon a day will keep emptiness away. The Bible says in verse 19 of Ephesians 5, and this is my final scripture, it says, Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, speaking divinely inspired utterances every day, hearing good sermons every day, waking up and making sure God's on your mind, and that He's a part of your morning and this will help you enter into a realm where you want to talk about God and the things of God more than anything else. And when you want to talk about God and the things of God more than anything else, you're filled with the Spirit. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the Donate tab. 